Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. Well, let me invite you to take your Bibles and go with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. We're in a series called Passion Points. Uh, points of passion, and there are things that we should be passionate about. Uh, one, as our first week, we talked about worship, that our worship should be uh, uh, a point of passion, regardless of the situation, regardless of what's happening, regardless of what life throws at us. And then last week, we talked about our fellowship and how our church should be healthy, uh, regardless of all the circumstances and things around us. Well, this morning, as it's Memorial Day weekend, I, I want to talk to you about a life that's always ready. Memorial Day weekend is, is a weekend in which we celebrate, remember those who've paid the ultimate price for us. Uh, it's the weekend in which it's different than Veterans Day. Veterans Day, we remember all those who served. But Memorial Day is, is strictly for those who gave their life, who stood ready to protect our country so that we could gather in this place this morning, sing praises unto the, the, our God to celebrate God's grace and forgiveness of our sins. It is a, a time to remember those folks. But the truth is, today should be a day we remember those folks, but also every Sunday should be a day in which we remember the grace of God. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that's a day we should remember. The day that Christ died for us. That we have life eternal because of Christ. And it is in Christ alone. And so this morning, I, I want to talk to you about what it looks like to have a life that is, is always ready. Men and women have served our country and they've stood in places ready to do whatever it takes so that we could have life everlasting. And this morning, as we look at 1 Peter, Peter reminds the church to always be ready to always be ready to proclaim the gospel, to always be ready to make much of God. Let me give you a little background on 1 Peter. 1 Peter is, uh, was written to the church in Rome in about uh, 64 uh, AD. In fact, in July 19, 64 AD, uh, there was this fire. Uh, Peter writes to the church in Rome, and a fire st t started on July the 19th. It started in the, the, the chariot district next to the stadium and all these merchant places. And it began to burn the city. And for six days, it, it caught fire and was, was in a blaze. Now, here's the thing. R remember, uh, 64 AD, they, they didn't have a cell phone, so they couldn't call the local fire department. And in fact, there w wasn't really a local fire department because there wasn't a hydrant out, out front of the local businesses to hook a hose up to to, to, to turn the fire down or to, to stop the fire. It was get a bucket and run. 
For six days, the, the fire blazed. They got it under control at six days, but before they could do any investigation, it, it flared up again and burned another three days. When it was all said and done, Rome had burned two-thirds of its merchants. And Rome was upset. The Romans blamed the emperor Nero. Uh, Nero had this, this incredible lust to keep building. But the problem with building was there was no more places to build. So in order to build, you had to tear something down. And the way to tear it down was an accidental fire. And so scholars believe Nero set fire to Rome to be able to build new things. But Romans were upset. Because in the burning of their city came the, this idea that their gods, their deity, their temples, their shrines, their, their, all these things burned up. And not only did they burn up, but their gods could not stop the fire. And so there was this huge problem going on in the sense of they've lost their city and their God has not been able to protect them. So anger became their number one emotion. Nero being uh, smart enough, he realized that it was directed at him. And just like any of us, when, when some, we've done something, we try to deflect. We try to say, well, it wasn't my fault. It was that car jumped out in front of me or that mailbox jumped out in front of me or whatever jumped out in front of me. Nero decided the best solution was dependent on the church, dependent on Christians. You see, Christians were already disliked. They didn't care for the Romans anyhow. Rome didn't care for them. And so Nero saw them as the scapegoat and began to say, they're the ones who started the fire. They are the ones we should be angry at. And so Peter writes to the church, encouraging them that no matter what the circumstances are, you be ready. Do not let the circumstances of your life cause you not to make much of Jesus. But to glorify God, always be ready. No matter what happens, make much of him. It's interesting. Peter writes this letter in 64. Three years later, Peter and his wife will be crucified by the Romans. The Romans decide to, to take Peter's wife first, according to historians. They crucify her in front of Peter so he could watch her suffer and die. Historians said the only thing Peter kept looking at her and saying is remember our Lord. Remember our Lord. And she died. It was Peter's turn. History tells us Peter decided or told Rome, listen, I'm not, um, I'm not, worthy enough to be crucified like our Lord. And so three years later, they, at that same time, they crucify Peter upside down. But I can't help but to think how Peter has gone from a man who, I don't know him, to in the midst of, of tragedy, in the midst of death, remember our Lord. So that's the background of our text this morning. 
And so Peter writes to them, and he wants to encourage them. So if you have your Bibles and you're at 1 Peter 3, would you stand as we honor the reading of God's holy word? Beginning in verse 13. Who then will harm you if you are devoted to what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you're blessed. Do not fear them or be intimidated. But in our hearts regard Christ, the Lord, as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that is in you. Yet do this with gentleness, reverence, keeping a clear conscience, so that when you are accused, those who despair your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. You may be seated. So question, I am grateful for, for the, the lives of folks who have, who have given, given themselves for our country. Because that gives us this opportunity to worship. But I'm grateful for Christ and Christ alone on the cross that we have the redemption and the forgiveness of our sins. For the reason that we find hope in the middle of tragedy. So this morning, here's the big idea I want you to catch. It's real simple. Uh, as members of God's family, as members of God's family, uh, we must seek to make, make him known, regardless of what others say or do in our culture. As members of God's family, we must seek to make him known, regardless of what others may say or do in our culture. Let me give you three things that we find out of this text that help us to live out what Christ has called us to. To help us to live for Christ. To be ready no matter what happens. To be ready to say, I will go, I will do, I will say, speak up, regardless of the cost. First thing is, we've got to seek what is good, regardless of the cost. We've got to seek what is good, regardless of the cost. Now, when, Paul, uh, when Peter writes this text, we know that the culture there in Rome is, is, is in shambles. We know that people are upset. We know that life is not going well. We can get a sense of that in our own country today. We can get a sense when, when we look around our country and see things falling apart. Just in our own denomination, last Sunday night, we, our denomination released a report of men who have done some shameful acts and then people who've tried to cover it up. And this week, as a, as a convention, many have cried out, time for repentance because of our evil ways. We see this happening in our community. We see leaders who we trust, who we value, and they're making decisions and then lying about the decisions they make. We begin to wonder what is truth and what is a lie. And then at the end of the week, we see another reminder of tragedy, of a shooting in Texas of an elementary school. 
our hearts break and we look at our country and we begin to wonder what in the world is going on. There is no doubt we could, we could relate to what Peter is saying. Because all of a sudden, all the things that we're talking about are the, the negatives in life and all the problems in this world, and we could get in on that bandwagon and we could jump up and down, scream, shout, spit, holler, whatever it is we do. And we'd be justified in looking at the culture. But at the end of the day, there's nothing about that that, that turns or helps us find hope in the midst of this. But as believers, our responsibility is to remember the Lord. Remember the Lord in the midst of trials, in the midst of tragedy. Remember the Lord. Make much of him regardless of what people may say or, or do. But to proclaim him. To make much of him. To call on him. Psalms tells us this. Psalms 50 says, call on me in the day of trouble. Call on me in the day of trouble, and I will what, church? I will rescue you, and you will honor me. Call on me. Listen, the verse, we all, the people always say, this is the worst it's ever been. No, listen, it's always been bad. From the moment sin entered this world, there's been problems. And the moment sin entered this world, we've needed to call on the name of the Lord. We've needed God to rescue us. And God has rescued us. God has made, made us new. Yesterday, um, I follow a person on, on Facebook. I'm, I'm not on Facebook anymore, or very much anymore. Uh, I happened to get on for something, and a person I know uh, got to celebrate um, this week with the, at a Cincinnati Reds Bengals game, or Reds baseball game. Been dealing with cancer, and um, she's been through a, a number of things, she and her husband, and, and uh, while at the Reds game, Pete Rose came by, and he was her hero, and he just happened to see, it wasn't set up, he just happened to see her, came and spent an enormous amount of time in the box with him, got to uh, see him, news, the news there in Cincinnati came by and, and captured much of it. And, and in the midst of her giving her quick moment on, on television, she said, only thing I want to do is make much of Christ. All I've been through and the days I've laid in my floor, I just wanted to make much of Christ. And I thought, that's the role of a believer. That's what we're supposed to do. Even in the midst of the trials and the crisis, we are to, to seek the good, no matter what it costs us. No matter the, the pain that we go through, we're to seek the good. Second thing we find in this text is we're to look for opportunities to proclaim God's love. We're to look for opportunities Proclaim God's love. We, we have opportunities all around us. We have opportunities to, to make much. But the question is, are we doing that? 
One of the reasons we gave you the bracelet, the one in 99, is to, to, to help as an everyday reminder that it, it, whether you wear it or not, we don't care, but we, we hope it's a reminder that every day you get up, our responsibility is to go after the one. Not to worry about our holy huddle, but to, to look for that one. And I hope that, that as you put your bracelet on every day for those who wear it, that you're praying every day, who's the one? Who is it that I can share the gospel with? This morning, you saw a testimony of Belle. Belle came because Sandra had stopped and asked her to come. Belle's life had been torn upside down, and Belle had, had come to the place where she recognized Jesus, but she didn't know what the next steps were, and Sandra said, come go with me to church. God has a way of working it out. You just have to be willing to speak up and look for the opportunities to proclaim his love. I love it when you come and tell those stories. Because that means we're looking for the one, not worried about our holy huddle. So Peter says in verse 15, look at it with me again. But in your hearts, regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks. For a reason, for the hope that is in you. <laughs> to give a defense. Listen, if you and I are going to be ready at any moment, there's two things we've got to know. We must know what you believe. You've got to know what you believe. You've got to know that Jesus is the answer. That there's not another way to heaven that salvation only comes through the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ. You've got to know that and believe that with all your heart. If you think that's just one option, then you're not ready to give a defense because you don't know what you believe. You, you don't know what you believe, so how can you tell somebody else? It would be like me trying to sit down with my son and tell him about algebra. Now, I believe algebra, but I don't know algebra. Praise the Lord, his mother does. But you got to know what you believe. The second thing is, you must know why you believe it. Here's the reason. Paul, Peter says in this text, give a defense and be ready to tell them why. So if I ask you this morning, if you... Why do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? If, if you went to the restaurant after lunch today, or after church today for lunch, and you sat down, and they recognized you prayed for your meal, and they stopped you and said, why do you do that? What would you say? Well, because of we always did. Because our parents taught us that. Would you think those are great excuses? Or reasons, not excuses, reasons. I, I think if it's me, I, I'd sit there and go, well, I don't know that's a reason for me to do it. I mean, there are things my parents do that, that have done I, I don't do. My parents are here this morning, so I have to be careful what I say. But there are things that they, you know, their coffee is like brown water. I like coffee, not brown water, you know. So I'm not going to follow their 
That's the best I got because they're sitting here, folks, okay? <laughs> My mama didn't raise no fool, maybe a bunch of ugly kids, but no fools. But you see what I'm saying? There are things that people do that we're not going to follow because it doesn't make sense. But if you believe it and you know why you do, you're ready to stand up and defend it. You're ready to, to do whatever it takes to, to help people understand why you do what you do. Peter says, be ready. Be ready. Be ready at all times. Be ready to give a defense and a reason why. The third thing we find in our text is this display an attitude. The, the right attitude, regardless of the situation. Display the right attitude regardless of the situation. I think it's interesting when you think about Peter's life and his wife being crucified. There's this heart that's being revealed at that moment. Watching a loved one die, watching this situation unfold, and Peter is reminding her, remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. It's all about having the right attitude. In fact, John Maxwell, who is a guru of, of leadership, he says this quote. He says, uh, when confronted with a difficult situation, a person with an outstanding attitude makes the best of it while he gets the worst of it. Life can be likened to a grindstone. Whether it grinds you down or polishes you depends on what you are made of. Are you being ground down or are you being polished? Life, listen, listen, life's always going to throw us different curveballs. It's a matter of how we respond to it. Do we make much of him or do we wallow? And listen, it's easy to wallow. It's easy to go, woe is me. It takes work to say, no, no, no. I believe in a God who's got this. I believe God has this. So Peter tells us some things in that text. He, he gives us some godly characteristics. Gentleness, reverence. Those things should, should guide us and direct us. He tells us in those verses to have a good conscience. To make sure that our thought processes are right. We have good conduct. Good conduct in the, in the sense that when life throws us that way, help them to see Jesus. Help them to see the God who created us, sustains us. Those are the things that we're to do. Those are the things that we should be ready at any moment to give an account. Can you do that? Are you doing that? This week I had an opportunity on Tuesday to, uh, to be in a meeting at, with the Kentucky Baptist Convention in Bowling Green. Uh, was, was while we were there, I was sitting with a former student of mine 
who, uh, who had been called to ministry and over the years. I've had a few, a few guys who come through my student ministry who now are serving the local church. And this particular student had a nickname. We were laughing about his nickname that still sticks with him today. Cupcake is, is the name. And, and uh, we were laughing about it. And, and he can't go anywhere around the state now without somebody calling him by that name. And he was uh, somewhat thanking me uh, for that. I don't know. I didn't give it to him, but one of our other students did. And we were talking about our mission trip we went on. And I couldn't remember what Cupcake's first mission trip was. And, and he was like, my first mission trip with you was, was uh, Times Square in New York. I took a group of students, about 20 students and some adults, to Times Square. And, and we spent the week there in New York City doing missions with a church plant there. And that got me thinking about Times Square. If you've ever been to New York and Times Square, you, you realize it's a different world when you, when you get there. Uh, the... Uh, just the Times Square Theater District. It's all lit up, all these lights. Well, it's interesting that uh, Con Edison, who's involved in, in the industry of, of electricity and those types of things, did a study. And what their study says that in the Times Square District of, of New York City, with all the lights, the billboards, everything they have, there is 161 uh, megawatts used. Now, I didn't think 161... 61 megawatts was that big of a deal. But in their research, they said that 161 megawatts is enough to power 161,000 homes. It's just used there in the Times Square district. In fact, I, I, I can remember, you know, you don't walk through New York and Times Square uh, in a group just as a mob. You walk single file just because of the crowd. And I can remember at night, it was like daytime walking through there because of all the lights. That same research said the, the 161 megawatts that is used there in Times Square is more than, is, is twice the, all the casinos use in Las Vegas. So if you've ever been to Vegas and you've ever been to Times Square, Times Square uses twice the amount of electricity that Vegas uses. And I thought about that, and I thought, how powerful of an image is that of all the lights in the Times Square district? How bright is that? Then I thought, Jesus tells us, you're the light of the world, a city on a hill. He tells us, don't light a light and put it under a basket, but let our light shine so that all men will see and praise your Father who's in heaven. And the only way we can be light like that is if we're always ready to, to share the gospel. If we're always ready to proclaim. If we're always ready to stand up and say, let me tell you why I believe what I believe. We live in a world who needs to hear why we believe what we believe. We've gone way too long being silenced, going, well, you can believe that, or I'm not going to argue with you. Hear me. Gentleness and reverence are our attitudes. But we need to speak up. We need to proclaim the gospel to the world around us. This morning, maybe you're here, 
And you can't proclaim or you're not ready because you don't know why you believe what you believe. You, you don't know a reason. You've come to church because, well, basically, this is what you've always done. Maybe somebody invited you. Maybe, maybe you came because somebody said, I'll take you to lunch afterwards. This morning, if you're here and you're ready to find out why we believe what we believe in just a moment, I want to invite you to come at our hymn of invitation. You can come here, I'll be standing right here, or you can do just like Belle did last week. You can go right out these doors and JJ and Mike will be there. They'd love to talk to you. They'd love to help you understand why we believe what we believe about Jesus Christ. They'd love to walk you through that process. Maybe you're here this morning and, and there's other decisions on your heart. Maybe you're praying for that one. Maybe you want to come to the altar and pray. Maybe, maybe you need to come and talk to God about your kilowatts that you're using or megawatts that you're using in your life. Maybe, it's, maybe your light's a little dim and needs to be brightened. Whatever the case may be, would you respond to a God who loves you unconditionally? A God who longs for you to give a reason why you love him. He gave a reason. He gave his son Jesus Christ. That's the reason he loves you. He created you. His reason that he loves you, he loves you so much he sent Jesus. Would you love him back? Would you stand with me this morning?